This morning, we're going to continue through our series in Exodus and through the Ten Commandments together. Uh, but before we do, um, I just want to let you know if you're here this morning visiting us or not visiting us and don't have a Bible with you, that, that we have some Bibles along the inside aisles here that you're free to use. And if you don't own a Bible, please consider that one yours. Please take it. We would love for you to have it. It's a gift to you. So this morning, we're going to look at the fourth commandment as we continue to work through the Ten Commandments. And sometimes whenever we look at the commandments that God gives us in the Bible, um, we find that those commands are, are not in line with sort of the, the goals or the values of the culture around us. This morning, actually, though, we, we come to a command whose main theme at least in my experience, is a really popular thing to talk about and think about. And that theme is rest. I don't know about you, but I feel like there's a lot of people talking about rest and how to find rest and how to be restful. Now, they don't always use the word rest, but, but I see this in, in any time someone's talking on social media or TV or a blog or a book about um, strategies for making your life more simple or for living the simple life, or for minimalism. And I think it makes sense. Many of our modern lives are are so hectic and and frenetic that, that many of us are craving rest. We see the promise of rest that those uh, products or, or approaches or lifestyles offer, and it sounds wonderful to us. So this morning, whenever we look at the fourth commandment, if we situate this commandment against sort of all the talk about rest in our culture around us, um, then I think we might be tempted to say, see, this commandment shows you self-care and rest is important. Taking care of yourself matters. We might see it as God helping his people to learn how to care well for their bodies. I mean, after all, These are people living in the ancient world, which was harsh, and wandering in the desert, just trying to survive. But as I've read this command and thought about it this week, I've realized that that if that's really all this command is about, self-care, I want you to notice just how strange it seems against the other nine commandments. In the past weeks, we've looked at commandments like, don't worship any other god other than me. Don't make idols. Don't use God's name in vain. In the next couple of weeks, we're going to look at commandments about how to relate to each other, like uh, don't murder people, or don't lie, or don't steal, or, or those sorts of things. And then right in the middle this morning, we're looking at a command that tells us to take one day a week and relax. What is that about? How is taking one day a week and relaxing supposed to be central to the way the Israelites related to God? I don't know about you, but that kind of commandment just feels beneath all of the other nine. It's, it's sort of as if one of the Ten Commandments was make sure and brush your teeth twice a day. It's a great idea, something I think everyone should do, but in the Ten Commandments, why? Why is it right here? I think this uh, 
is also true when you consider the punishment for breaking this commandment in the Old Testament. The fourth commandment was a capital offense. If you did not rest on the seventh day, you got the death penalty. You were stoned. Why? Why? Because I didn't take a nap on on Saturday? Why is rest such a big deal to God? Why is it central to how the Israelites were supposed to relate to God? Those are the questions that I want us to try and get a better understanding of this morning. What I'm going to argue is that this command, it's not that it's totally unrelated to the idea of rest that gets talked about in the culture around us. I think that all of that talk shows us that we have a problem, that we need rest. But what I'm going to argue is that the rest that this commandment is talking about isn't exactly the same kind of rest that we hear around us. So, unfortunately, well, maybe unfortunately for some of you, I'm not going to talk this morning much about strategies for living the simple life or for simplifying your schedule. I think that those things could be good things to do. But instead, I want to focus on two questions that I think are important for us to really understand what this command is about. I want to focus on the question, what did this commandment mean to the Israelites? What did it mean to them? Why was it so important? And then I want to pivot and ask the question, what does it mean for us? What does this commandment mean for the Israelites? And what does it mean what does it mean for us? So, will you stand with me as we go ahead and turn to the text? We're going to be reading in Exodus chapter 20 verses 8 through 11. Please stand as we honor God's word. Remember the Sabbath day to keep it holy. Six days you shall labor and do all your work, but the seventh day is a Sabbath to the Lord your God. On it you shall not do any work, you or your son or your daughter or your male servant or your female servant or your livestock or the sojourner who is within your gates. For in six days the Lord made heaven and earth, the sea and all that is in them, and rested on the seventh day. Therefore, the Lord blessed the Sabbath day and made it holy. Please be seated. So remember the Sabbath day and keep it holy. What did this command mean to ancient Israel? I think in order for us to understand that, there's two main things here that we have to understand. First, what did it mean to keep it holy? And the second is, what does Sabbath mean? mean? Did you notice how the idea of keeping the day holy actually bookends the command? So at the very end of the command, we see that um, God is the one that blessed the Sabbath day. He's the one that made it holy. So God blessed it and he made it holy. And the commandment starts by telling the Israelites that they are supposed to rest in order to keep it holy. I think we often think of the word holy as as sort of synonymous with godly. Uh, And that makes sense because God is holy. But but I think here it's it's important to recognize that the word holy more generally just means to be set apart or different 
from anything else. So God is holy, but he's holy because he's totally different than anything else. There's nothing else like him. So what what the commandment is saying here is that God made this day different. He made one day a week different. And that the Israelites are supposed to keep that day different. They're not supposed to let it be like the other days in a week. So that's what it means to keep it holy, keep it different and set apart for a specific purpose. How are they supposed to set it apart? Well, they're supposed to set it apart by resting all day long on that day. That's really what the word Sabbath means. It's, I, I, I think for a long time I thought that the word Sabbath was like some older form of the word Saturday or something because it's, you know, with the, with the seventh day there. But the Sabbath just means to stop, to stop whatever you're doing. So, so one, uh, one author I was reading this week uh, talked about the Sabbath day is, is really best thought of as the stopping day. That's the day where whatever you're doing, you stop it and you rest. So this commandment tells Israel to remember this one day, keep it set apart by stopping your work and resting. So that's what the commandment is. But I think we have to do a little more work to understand and answer the question, why was that so important? Why one day a week to be different than the others and resting on that day? Why was that so important? I think there's two reasons that show us why the commandment here uh, is in the Ten Commandments to rest one day a week. Now, I'm going to ask you to hang with me a little bit because you have to go a little bit outside this text, I think, to, to get these two things. So, so please follow me where I'm going here. But the two things that I want to uh, share with you is that the Sabbath day was set apart. It was different by resting for two reasons. The first reason was because it created a visible representation of the character of God. It created a visible representation of the character of God. And the second reason is that for the Israelites, it was a regular weekly expression of their faith in the work that that God was doing. Okay, so let me show you where I'm getting this. So how does rest represent God's character? I think this comes out a little more clearly if you look at this command in Deuteronomy. So in Deuteronomy chapter 5, verses 12 through 14, the command itself is, is almost identical, word for word. But verse 15 gives a different reason that they should follow this command. So Deuteronomy chapter 5, verse 15 says, after giving the command, You shall remember that you were a slave in the land of Egypt, and the Lord your God brought you out from there with a mighty hand and an outstretched arm. Therefore, because of that, because of what God did, the Lord your God commanded you to keep the Sabbath. I think we have to remember that throughout this whole Exodus story, the narrative that God is carrying out one long, extended introduction of himself to the Israelites and to the world around them. He's doing this introduction, sometimes by actual words and saying things, but largely through the actions that he takes. So when God introduces himself to Moses, and Moses wants to know who this God is, he says, I am the God of Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob. 
So he's communicating to the Israelites that I am the God that keeps covenants with my people. When he, when he cares for the Israelites, when he rescues them out of Egypt, and the Israelites continually turn back and wish that they were under Pharaoh's rule. In word and action, God says, Pharaoh may have exploited you. He may have thought that he had the power to bring life and death to you. But I, I am the God that rescued you with a mighty hand and an outstretched arm. So, rest one day a week in order to show that you serve a new master that leads you in steadfast love and redeems you from slavery. Do you see how the rest says something about the ruler that they're under? I think we also see in the Exodus story that they, like us, needed to be reminded of this character of their new master. So God commanded them one day a week to stop all working so that they could remember this. And so the, the Sabbath day you can think of, I, th- I have found this a really helpful way to think about it. The Sabbath day you can think of almost as like a weekly celebration or commemoration of their master. In this way, it's, it's sort of like a, a birthday. So a birthday is, there's nothing special about the day itself, but you do things on a birthday that you don't do any other day of the year. You buy cakes, you uh, write cards, you say things to people. And the things that you do on that day say something about your relationship to the person that you're celebrating. You're, you're treating that day differently as a statement of how you relate to them. And I think that this is helpful in understanding why this was such an important part of Israel's life. It was a statement about the God that they were serving. Resting one day a week reminded them, and it showed everyone watching them, that their new ruler, their Lord, is the God that bore them on eagle's wings and brought them to himself, and that they are his treasured possession. Okay, so, so the command to rest one day a week was a statement about God. I think the second reason is closely related to the first, but it focuses more on the Israelites. The second reason is that it was set apart to be a deliberate, regular act of faith in God's provision. It was a statement that they trusted in the work of God so much that even in the ancient world, even when wandering through the desert, they were willing to rest and trust that his work was sufficient for them. I think that that this focus on faith uh, shows why rest was, was the important way to weekly make a statement about God. I, I mean, on my wife's birthday, I'm not sure that she would appreciate if I told her that I'm going to celebrate you by sleeping in and taking a nap this afternoon. I hope you got everything under control. So, so, so rest doesn't always make sense to celebrate someone. But here, the reason why rest makes sense is because it's a weekly reminder. It's a, it's a weekly act of faith that I trust what you are doing enough to stop from my work. 
Just look at the justification given in Exodus, back in Exodus uh, chapter 20, verse 11. So in Deuteronomy, they're told to rest because the Lord, their God, brought them out of slavery from Egypt. Here we're told that they're supposed to rest because God rested on the seventh day after creating the universe. Now remember, a big thing we're learning about God and the way he introduces himself in this story is that God is all-powerful. He never gets tired. He's never weary. He always sees his people, so he never naps. He never sleeps. He, he, he always accomplishes his plans. So why is the author here telling the people to remember God rested on the seventh day? It can't be because God was so tired after creating the universe that he just needed to relax before he did anything else. God rested because the work he had done was complete. Genesis 2 tells us that the heavens and the earth were finished. And on the seventh day, God finished the work he had done, and he rested on the seventh day from all the work that he had done. You see, God's rest after creation wasn't a statement about uh, being tired or fatigued. It was a statement about the completion of the work that he had just accomplished. I think this helps us start to see that not all rest is made the same. God rested because he had finished his work. It was done. It was complete. Nothing else needed to be done. Nothing needed to be added to it. As I was thinking about different ways of resting, I thought about moving like from one house to another, maybe because lots of people in this room like to do that a lot. And so um, when you're moving, it's a lot of hard work. And I thought about the difference between moving a really heavy piece of furniture and getting from the truck, like right before the door, maybe in the driveway or something, and just telling the other person, hey, 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 we got to put it down. I've got to rest for a minute before we carry this to to where it's actually going to go. That kind of rest is because you're tired, because you need to recover. You, you have no intention in leaving that thing there. You just need to rest before you can complete your work. Now, think about a different kind of rest when you're moving. Think about that moment when the last box is unpacked, when every knick-knack is on the shelves, when all the boxes that used to be in your last attic are now in your new attic, And you sit down on the couch and rest. That's a different kind of rest than the driveway rest. That's a rest that's a statement about the completion of the work. We are here. We are moved in. I can rest. I think that's what this command is getting at in the expression of faith and in in pointing to creation as a reason why they should rest. They're saying, look at God. His work is so complete, so perfect, so sufficient that he rested in it. Therefore, every week, stop and rest in his work. I don't know about you, but but this command to rest compared to the others can initially, even after fleshing it out like that, can can initially feel sort of like uh, the easy one. 
or, or like a, a gimme question on a test. You know, the, the other ones feel impossibly hard to keep, but relax one day a week. Okay, I, I, th- I think that I can do that. Um, but all we have to do is to look to where this command was first given to see that it's not easy for us to keep. Remember, a few weeks ago, uh, Matt preached on how this command was originally given when God brought manna. What happened is he brought manna. He told them that they could only collect enough for one day, but then on the sixth day, they could collect twice as much, and then he commanded them, do not go out on the seventh day. Rest. That's actually where the first commandment for this Sabbath day is seen. What do the Israelites do? On the seventh day, they go out into the wilderness looking for manna. You see, the Israelites then, and us now, cannot help but be tempted to rely on our own work. God said, I've given you what you need on the sixth day. Rest on the seventh. Obey me. I think the way the commandment here in Exodus 20 is written, we can also see that the Israelites and us are tempted to rest by just pushing our work off on someone or something else. Did you notice that the commandment tells them they can't work, but also their children can't work, their servants can't work, the livestock can't even work for one day a week? It's like God is giving them a chance to see. Do not work because you will rely solely on my work and what I am doing for you. You will one day a week remember that God is your provider and you'll remember it by resting from your work. So I I think it's true that Sabbath rest is good for physical well-being. It could be a good self-care practice. It might recharge your batteries. It might even contribute to a more simple lifestyle. But I don't think any of those are actually the main point of this commandment. I'm not saying they're not good things, but I don't think they're the main point. For Israel, the main point was to have a weekly celebration, a weekly day different than all other days and different because you rested in an uncomfortable way when you didn't want to. You rested as a statement about the God that you served and as an expression of faith in his work that he was doing for you. Okay, so that's what I think it meant for the Israelites and why I think it was so important because it wasn't just self-care. It was a statement that they were making about God. And you remember that last week, the commandment Matt uh, helped us understand was what it meant to take God's name in vain, that a part of that is representing that God's character in a true way, and that this rest represented the kind of God and the sufficiency of his work. So I want to turn to what does this commandment mean for us? And I want to start by just acknowledging that there's a good bit of disagreement about exactly what this commandment means for us as Christians. Does it tell us 
what we're supposed to do or not do on Sundays, for example? Is it a more general message? I'm actually not going to get into the nitty-gritty of those disagreements. I am happy to talk about it more. I'm happy to tell you about things that I'm thinking about that specific question. Here's why, though. What I want to help you see is that if you think this command is exclusively telling you what you can or cannot do on Sundays, then I think that you could be at danger of missing a bigger point for us Christians. And that's the bigger point that I want to focus on this morning. So in the Old Testament, we saw that that this day of rest was a statement about God's character as their new ruler. It was a regular expression of faith in the work that that ruler was doing for you. In the New Testament, we learn that that one day and the rest that the Israelites were commanded to observe on that one day is also a pointer, a foreshadowing of a more enduring and everlasting rest that God has promised us. We learn in the way that Jesus talked about this and the way that some of the New Testament writers talked about the Sabbath that the command to rest is now a statement about Jesus and our faith in the work that he has accomplished. Now, if that feels like a big leap, if it feels a bit contrived, let, let, me, let me show you a couple of places where I'm seeing this. The first thing I want to look at is how Jesus talked about the Sabbath. Now, unfortunately for us, um, the Sabbath wasn't one of the commands that Jesus chose to address in, say, the Sermon on the Mount, where he gave us a very you know, specific way of rethinking or, or helping us recognize we didn't fully understand what that commandment meant. But it doesn't mean that Jesus ignored the Sabbath. Instead, what we learn about the Sabbath from Jesus is from the fact that he often did things on the Sabbath in a way that that seemed to be intentionally provoking the Jewish leaders, intentionally making them upset at things that he was doing on the Sabbath. And then we can see the way that he talked about the Sabbath with them whenever they were mad at him. We can see through that something about it for us. Now, it is true that when Jesus did things on the Sabbath to make the rulers upset, that Uh, I think it's fair to say that sometimes he wasn't actually breaking the law. What's interesting, though, is that many times he doesn't respond to the Jewish leaders with a legal argument. That's what I want to look at this morning. I want to look at the places where instead of a legal argument, he says that, that the Sabbath day, sort of like the temple, actually has to be rethought now that I'm here. Let me show you what I mean. So in Matthew chapter 12, Jesus and his disciples are collecting grain from a field on the Sabbath. They were hungry. Pharisees say, hey, Jesus, that's not okay. You and your people are working on the Sabbath. That's breaking the law. Like I said, Jesus doesn't get into a legal argument about whether or not what they're doing is is breaking the law. Instead, 
he asks them, do you remember that people working in the temple are allowed to work on the Sabbath? Do you remember that? And then he says something incredible. Actually, if it's not true, heretical. He says that there is something here now even greater than that temple. He's talking about himself. And then he follows that by calling himself, giving himself the title, the Lord of the Sabbath. I am the Lord of the Sabbath. What does that mean? I think what Jesus is doing here is he's helping them see that the work that he's accomplishing actually changes the way we think about some of the things in the Old Testament that were meant to point towards him, to foreshadow him, to tell us something about him and his work. So the temple was the place where people met God. Priests were allowed to do the work of the temple on Saturdays because that was where people met God. They were serving as mediators between God and the people. And Jesus is saying now, I am that mediator. I am where people come to meet God. He's saying, you thought you knew what the temple meant, but it was actually just foreshadowing me. In a similar way, the Sabbath day, like we saw in the Old Testament, was meant to point to God and his character. And Jesus is claiming that he is that God that the Sabbath day was pointing towards. Remember, the seventh day command was to rest to the Lord your God. Jesus here is claiming, I am the Lord of the Sabbath. I don't think that what he's doing is pulling a power play. He's not saying, listen, I'm the Lord of the Sabbath. You're not in charge of me. I can do whatever I want on Sabbath. That's not what he's saying. He's saying the Sabbath command is to rest unto the Lord. Guess what? I am the Lord of the Sabbath. In John, when he heals a man on the Sabbath, he tells his followers, hey, my father is working until now, so I'm working. I'm doing his work. So if the Israelites were supposed to set aside one day a week as Sabbath rest unto the Lord, then Jesus is telling his followers and the Jewish rulers, I am that Lord that that Sabbath rest was telling you about all along. The fourth commandment was meant to point to Jesus all along. I don't think it's a coincidence that in the chapter just before this in Matthew, Jesus is recorded as saying, Come to me, all who labor and are heavy laden, and I will give you rest. Take my yoke upon you and learn from me, for I am gentle and lowly in heart, and you will find rest for your souls, for my yoke is easy and my burden is light. So I think the question for us is much more than what are we allowed to do and not do on one day a week. Now, it might sound like, I, it might sound like I'm, I'm trying to, to sort of get a loophole here or, or soften the command where we don't really have to pay attention to it anymore. But I think it's actually the opposite. Listen to what the author of Hebrews says about the Sabbath in Hebrews chapter 4. So then, there remains a Sabbath rest for the people of God. And what he's pointing towards is an enduring forever 
Sabbath rest. For whoever has entered God's rest has also rested from his works, just as God did from his. Do you see the mirroring to the Genesis 20 passage? Rooting it in God's work being so complete, so full, so sufficient, that even God rested at the end of creation. That's the kind of rest that you have. Then he ends it with, let us therefore strive to enter that rest. Just like the Israelites, the command to rest is not an easy command for us. It sounds like it should be. Rest, let someone else do the work. But it's not. It's not easy to rest physically from physical work, and it's even harder for our spirits to be at rest. I think all the focus in our culture around rest or simple life or minimalism or, or only having a certain number of articles of clothing in your closet, I think all of those things are really showing us that we need rest. What I want to do with the last few minutes we have is suggest a, a couple of practical questions. Now, as far as how to apply this command... It is so contextual. It's so different depending on sort of what you do and what your work looks like and the different ways that you're tempted to trust in that work more than you should. So so I'm not going to suggest any specific things to do. What I want to do is two things. First, I want to encourage you to make this a point of conversation or, or, or a question that you ask your friends around you other members here at Trinity, maybe in small group. I think this is the kind of thing that is very hard for people to see on their own and much easier for other people to help you see. Areas where you are not resting in what Jesus has done for you. What I want to end with this morning are just a couple of questions to maybe get that conversation going. And the questions sort of come in two categories. Uh, The first one maybe is a little more visible, and the second one is, is pointed a little more at that internal spiritual rest. Here's the first question. Do you have regular, intentional forms of rest in your day that have the potential to say something about Jesus to people around you? Have you ever thought about your rest making a statement about Jesus to people? I want to say that again. Do you have regular, intentional forms of rest in your day-to-day that have the potential to say something about Jesus to people around you? Taking one entire day to rest was a radical move for people in the ancient world. They were trying to survive. They were wandering through the wilderness. But it was a bold statement about the character of their God. So, if you work outside your home, I wondered. I thought about this for myself. Do you have regular times of rest that your coworkers find strange? Does the pace of your work resemble anyone else climbing the career ladder that, that you're climbing? Or would anyone that you're working with wonder how you're able to be so restful in the midst of such a stressful environment. Would anyone wonder why you don't seem to be bound up in your achievements as the source of self-worth like like other people are? 
I think it's also important to ask this question about our work within our home. So, do you and or your family, do you rest in ways that might be seen as strange to others? See, this kind of rest is supposed to be a statement about Jesus. And I don't know about you, but I don't often think of the way that I rest as a way that I tell people around me about Jesus. So, so I think that's a helpful question to start the conversation with your friends. Here's the second one. Is your hope for provision, for achievement, for satisfaction or peace? Is your hope for those things rooted in what Jesus has accomplished for you? Or does it depend on work that you or someone else has to accomplish? So remember, for the Israelites, the Sabbath day was a deliberate act of faith. It was hard. God was trying to teach them that as long as they relied on their own labor, on their own know-how, on their own work, that they are always chasing a mirage. They'll never get to what they're hoping for. So is there anything in your work that you work at endlessly? Because without it, you can't imagine how you'll be provided for. Do you work towards achievements or accomplishments? Because without them, if you don't get them, you won't even know who you are. Another way of thinking about this is, do you work towards building a kingdom here on earth with just the right job and just the right house, just the right food, just the right education for your kids? Do you work on building that kingdom in the hope that you'll finally be able to rest in it one day? This morning, friends, hear God telling us in his word, that the way that we rest makes a statement about him as our ruler. Because Jesus says, come to me, take my yoke, learn from me, and I will give you rest. So friends, strive after rest. And not just for self-care. Not just so that you can get back up and work on Monday not just so that you can keep working at what you're working at, but rest. Rest regularly. Rest to show the world the character of Jesus and what he's done for us, and rest as a deliberate act of faith in the sufficiency of that work. Will you pray with me? God, we come to you right now and we proclaim that you are a good and right and generous and loving and forgiving ruler. You have given us Jesus. And Jesus, you are our Lord abounding in steadfast love. But God, we confess to you that we are so often not restful. We depend on our work. 
We think that we must accomplish aims in order to find rest. So God, this morning we come to you. We acknowledge that we have fallen short of this command and continue to, and we pray for faith to trust in your work and rest. Help us to see where we're trusting in our work or others' work. God, protect us from the temptation of building a kingdom here on earth that we think will bring us satisfaction. Teach us to rest. Jesus, put your yoke upon us. And it's in Jesus' name that we ask these things. Amen.